he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bolotify, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. My name is Anthony Bolotta. I'm here, as I am every week, with my one and only Apostolidis. That's Alex Apostolidis. Hey there. Hello. How are you doing? Monday. I'm doing great. I got a lot accomplished this weekend, even though all of the plans I was looking forward to got canceled. I think it was a little bit of divine intervention because I got things done that were driving me nuts and I got it all done. You mean you took down Christmas? I took down Christmas before the end of January, before February, before March. Which is, which is a new, uh, a new uh, record for you? Well, yes, but not because I'm lazy, only because I'm usually, every, my time is just completely booked up and I'm not somebody that can start to do this and get an hour into it and then have to run out the door. I don't start it until I know I can complete it. Mm, Cause you don't and, want to go back to it. And I just, it's the um, obsessive completion disorder. It'll mm. make my brain itch if I don't get it done. <laughs> so. But there's also another reason you celebrate um, the epiphany, right? Yes, I don't ever take it down until the sixth. And so the following weekend I was busy. And then the following weekend we were in LA and then I was supposed to be in class all weekend, but that got canceled. So I got it done. Excellent. I used my time wisely. Excellent. Yeah, we still have Christmas um, around us here, I must admit. It's been a bit of a crazy beginning of the year, as you know, but um, D'Angelo started tackling it uh, yesterday. He started pulling everything down. And I think he made some headway, but there's still quite a bit out and about that needs to be packaged up and put away. Yeah. Christmas is a lot of work. Yeah. And this was the first year in a long time where I wanted it down and I'm never like that. I I get sad when I take my Christmas stuff down, but this year I was like, "I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be away and to move on and have 2022 to be grateful and say goodbye to 2021 and move into 2022 um, knowing only good things. Wow, that sounds good. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I I have I have that that um, uh, idiosyncrasy in that I I have this really strong feeling that whatever the first few days of January brings is what the rest of the year is going to be. So I'm hoping I'm really wrong this time around because it's usually pretty right on for me. The last time I had a really bad start to a year was in 2014, eight years ago. And from day one, things just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse uh, before they started to get better, which really, I mean, save a few little things that happened that year that were really wonderful, like you and D'Angelo joining me 
I was going to say October 7th was a great day for you. It was was a great day. (laughs) But the the, prior to those, that October 7th and the day that D'Angelo joined us, it was just miserable. Um, That was also the year that I had, um, I had my appendix taken out uh, on Independence Day on, on July 4th. Will always be independent independence day <laughs> to me <laughs> oh and so many other just like bad things just happened that year it just was not a good year but those things that weren't so great all led to better things so in essence those things that weren't so great really ended up being good that's a good way to look at things yes absolutely well you have just, to right you have to you just have to change the narrative you do you do. You have to. Uh, you have to remember that life goes on, and there will always be there will be happy moments again. And you know, you just sort of got to muddle through the crapola when it comes, and then eventually things do get better, and and you ride that way for a while, and then a new lesson comes along to further you on your journey. Correct. A new lesson comes along. There's always a lesson. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. So, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was to say, I, that's, that's where I'm really trying to keep my mindset going from here forward is ask why, what's, what's the lesson? How am I better for this? Good, good for you. That's, that's very bright. It's, way to, <laughs> it's a way to live life because crap happens. Crap happens, and, you know, yes. And uh, you got to, you know, you have to look on the sunny side of things. Otherwise, you know, you'll be miserable your entire life. And, uh, you know, you have to keep your heart open, even when it hurts and even when you have loss. Because, you know, what is the alternative? Shutting it down and deciding you're never going to love again. And uh, where does that lead? It's not fun. I did that for many years. So it's not fun. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a place to be. If you saw my room right now, you'd laugh because I have four different journals going. Each one is little, little specific. And that's what's kind of keeping me. So when I have moments, like I had a real doozy last week, I had a doozy of a moment last week. It was not good. It lasted about 30 minutes. I talked myself down. Then I wrote my journals. And that kind of keeps me going, okay, get over yourself. Universe is not against you. I love that. Get over yourself because it's true. I mean, we all sort of wallow away in our own sadness and fears and we forget that just because it seems other people don't suffer those things, it doesn't mean it's true. Everybody has their moments. And you know what fear really stands for, right? Yes. um, False evidence appearing real. Right. Yes, I love that acronym. Mm-hmm. It's a very good acronym. It's uh, it's all what we fear is in the head. Right. It's all that's where it exists. I that's mean, there's, there's, fear is necessary for our survival at times. Yes. So it's not something to shy away from, but it's important to keep it in perspective. Yes, because it's not necessary so much. There are times, but it's not a characteristic built on survival today, like it was many, many, many hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, when, you know, that was all you had, your gut feeling and your fear. 
Um, but today we have all sorts of tools. And I did just read a really interesting article about half an hour ago, all about the importance, and you probably um, reading Steve Jobs, right? The mm -hmm. importance of following your in intuition and how important it is. And there's really scientific value behind it. It was a very good article that I just read. Well, please share it with me. I will. Can. I absolutely will. I will forward it to you. I think you'll it, enjoy it. It's a short article, but it's interesting. In my Brene Brown reading, uh, Dare to Lead, she talks about entering the cave, which is basically facing your fears. You know, going into the cave, the one full of fears has that cave, right? And you walk in and you face them. And that's a really um, interesting analogy as well, you know, walking yeah. into the cave. That's a scary place to go into. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I'm not a cave dweller. I don't love caves. I'm a little claustrophobic in those caves. Me too. The guy, the gent, the man that we are about to talk with has a very, very interesting past and career. Do you want to introduce him and then we'll bring him on and start chatting with him? I do. I'm super excited. So he's a man of many talents and I'm learning more and more about him. He's an actor, a producer, a director, but he's most well known for being one of the world's top Tom Cruise impersonators. I mean, he's traveled the globe. He's appeared in a host of commercials and films, and he does a lot of corporate work and a lot for us. So as the iconic movie star, Mr. Tom Cruise, in fact, probably his highest praise was from Tom Cruise himself when Tom said, his voice is uncanny. His energy, laughter, voice, mannerisms will all have you wondering, is that who I think it is? So please welcome Mr. Evan Ferranti. Hello, Evan. Howdy, howdy. How did we meet you, Evan? I don't even know how we actually brought you on board and started working with you. Do you? I'd, I'd have to search through the emails to to find out the origin of what exactly transpired or happened. Uh, I mean, it might have been through a mutual connection that referred me. I don't know. Alex, uh, or, or, yeah, I want to sure. say that I'm pretty sure we were we were in need, and D'Angelo started researching. And right. came across you, and it was kind of love at first real. Oh, and that's so um, sweet. I well, felt the same way. Aww. I felt the same way. And it's, it's so nice to see your face, too. It's so funny. <laughs> We've been talking this whole time. I did not know what you look like. I had no idea. <laughs> this is are. it with hair, hair up mode today. But uh, yeah, this you, is you, it. You, you kind of remind me of Sally Field. Has anyone told you that before? Yes. And that is the hugest compliment. And yeah. I got that one time when I was performing on stage and that's the hugest compliment you could ever she, give me because I absolutely worship that woman. Who, who doesn't love you. Sally Field? Who doesn't love Sally Field? You know, you can't trust she, somebody who doesn't love to, Sally Field. To me, to me, she's the next Betty White. Like she, her and Betty White were like just national treasures, international treasures. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Now you yeah. a bit younger than us. So I have to ask you, yeah. Have you seen any episodes of The Flying Nun? I have, you know, but it's funny that you said that because I've seen them at the uh, Museum of Museum of Television Radio in New York years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I used to I used to go there with my, my family and watch like old Twilight Zone episodes and flying everything. You know, we saw everything. But um, that was a favorite pastime of mine when I was younger with my with my parents. And you're from New York. Yeah, from I grew up in Westchester. Yeah. 
um, right near Greenwich, Connecticut on the border, Armonk, mm -hmm. New York. Yeah. yeah. And when did you move to LA? I moved when I was 30 and I'm 42 now. And uh, now I have a baby. 42. 50, 50. You oh, that's do good. not look that's 42. Good. Oh, well, I am. 79 was my, uh, my year, year of birth. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I moved out of here when I was 30 to kind of get like a change of scene. I'd been acting in New York for a long time and doing production work too. That was my other, my other career. Um, and as, a, as a, I was always, always a struggling actor, a struggling producer. So uh, I moved out to the West coast to mainly for the weather, for a change of pace. And I didn't, I, I was kind of over the incessant noise and noise pollution and the and pollution of New York and, and just being like sardines in the subway and, feeling dirty all the time. And there were a lot of reasons. And my girlfriend at the time packed up a, a, a kind of an adventure box full of like road trip things. And along with a lot of weed and said, <laughs> let's go, let's, let's go out West and see if you can struggle less in the Los Angeles, you know? And, uh, and I, I said, what have I had to, what have I got to lose? I needed a push. I was very um, comfortable in my Queens Astoria apartment, you know, mm -hmm. and I, and, and I needed that push to get me out, out of my comfort zone, essentially. Any regrets? No, no, because look, I have a wonderful partner now. I have a beautiful baby, 15 month old and congratulations. You know, thank you. Thank you. And obviously lots of ups and downs in between then, but I wouldn't give any of it up, you know, obviously. Yeah. They all make you who you are. Right. Exactly. You every, 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 every poor decision I've ever made in my life, every, you know, everything I've ever decided has led me here to this, to this precise moment. <laughs> Forget the poor decisions you'll make later. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We have a, we have a lifetime full of those. Yeah. Right. A lifetime, a lifetime. Yeah. So now, you know, now as a parent, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, are you, are you all parents at all or no? I am. I have a 16 year old daughter. Yeah. So you, yeah, you too, or no? No, 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 no. No. How do you think? So I you, I'm eighty. <laughs> eighty, right? <laughs> eighty. <laughs> no, no. But um, it's it's an incredible experience, and I'm sure you can relate. Uh, being a parent of a 16 year old, it's just you know a massive learning experience. And yes, we're we all kind of exist on the spectrum of how much do we intervene and how much do we, you know parent versus be their friend like you know authority versus friendship and and i you know i'm careful not to influence him too much obviously i'm very i'm protective but i don't want to be overly protective um so you know i'm not i don't think i'm going to have a leash on him at any point although i i hear that that it's a good thing too i'm not actually there's a you know i'm not really sure how what i'm going to do i'm just kind of I'm, it's trial by fire you know well, see, that's and, just that's just yeah. it. You need to raise your your kids according to who they are, not by some preconceived no. set of notions. So, and it's you'll all it's all out. relative. It's all relative, yeah. as you say. Mm -hmm. Exactly, it's all relative. That's right. So, if he if he someday says to you, "Oh, I want to go into the business of show," sure, sure. What will you say? Wow. Um, obviously, I, I'm I'd be supportive, uh, and hopefully, it'd be for the right reasons because he wants to. You know, he, he loves the craft. He wants to strengthen the craft and it's not for fame and, and YouTube fame or TikTok fame or anything like that or in, influencer status. Um, 
I, I would hope it'd be for the right reasons. Maybe he'd have a appetite for theater or for, you know, just, just respect for the whole, the business. Um, and, and if he wanted to get into it at a young age, you know, that's a lot, it's a lot to ask of me. It was a lot to ask of my mother who was a stage mother, but in a good way, not, not, not Gypsy Rose Lee, but a good, a good stage mother. But, um, it still was an enormous sacrifice that she made and, and I would have to as well. But again, if, he, if that's what he wants and he loves it and has a passion for it, I fully support it. Amen. So, yeah. um, and, and what, what brought you to the business? Because you've, you've been acting your entire life. Yeah, and it wasn't always as a Tom Cruise impersonator, obviously. That happened obviously. much later in my life, yeah. Um, but it started off when I was, my, my brother was a, a ballet dancer and I was just kind of a bored entertainer, very charismatic, but my, um, but there was still no, no, uh, aspirations at that time. I was five or six years old when I did, um, I did the Nutcracker with my brother. My brother was the, the star of the show, Fritz or one, you know, the, the main, the main, um, young, young, uh, dancer. And, um, I was a party boy uh, at five or six years old. Simply, uh, my role was simply to open up presents and be lifted and carried in, around in the air, and then I was off. But in that short moment on stage, a manager was in the audience. This was at SUNY Purchase in New York. And she approached me after the show with my parents, of course. Um, and she, she was from a management company and, and suggested that I have what it takes to be a commercial actor and, um, and print, print, uh, print work, you know, as a model. Um, and my parents said, yeah, let's, let's give it a shot, you know, and, and her name was Audrey Steer Adams. I remember her very well, um, very New York and young and heart agency was the, was the company. And a few years after that, and at that time they only wanted redhead and freckles, and so I didn't get any work, of course, for many years. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, we go through cycles, of course, and mm -hmm. then it became, then it became waspy and then, it, and then eventually it became ethnically ambiguous, which I eventually started booking. But my, um, but then I started singing and that's when I started to go into like musical theater. And I did a lot of that when I was younger and soap opera work in New York. So I got my start in musical theater, soap operas, and, and then I would book commercials here and there. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, if your son were to say, I want to go into show business, that you would support yeah. that, but want to make sure it was for the right reasons to, yeah. uh, for, the, for, the, for the craft. And so sure. I, I wonder, moving to LA from New York, do you see a difference in the business itself and the, um, the way people work and train? Hmm to be in the business from New York. Right. Well, well, all I'll say is that it is, it's a different environment in the sense that there's more opportunities out in LA. There's, there's more, more, um, you know, studios or, or places to audition and book. And that doesn't necessarily mean the quality is higher. It just means there's more stuff out here. But in New York, it was always the, the, it was always, um, and I still think it is today. You, you kind of get your start off in New York. You, you get your start in New York. You get your, your, um, uh, what is it called? Um, not just your theater, your theater credits, but your, 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 
your quality credentials, like a, a law and order, you get a law and order and that, and that opens some doors in LA because now that you have the law and order, now that you have the theater credits, now that you have some, some, you know, real, you know, basically making it in New York, you can make it anywhere kind of thing. Um, that's a great place to start. Um, uh, there's some reverence there. And then LA though, there's, you know, it's quantity over quality, but you can, but you can, you know, really move quickly through the ranks here. If you're, if you're one of the select few, one of the top upper echelon, 1% of, of the talent out here or the, or the right look. And a lot of times it's all about the look, you know, and then, or matching you up with the right, you know, the right um, family, if, if they're matching, if they're, you know, putting you together with the family. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but I also have not been actively auditioning. I usually just get booked for crews. So it's been a long time since I've been in that world of auditioning out here. But what I will say is that there was a time in New York where if you were put on hold for a job, that really meant something very different than it does today. You're put on hold back then and you were, there's a 50-50 chance of you booking a job. Um, today it was between you and one other person today. It's like, you might be on hold with 10 other people mm-hmm. and, and it's really, really difficult and challenging. Um, and yeah, so I, I personally, I've, I've backed away or I've shied away from kind of getting back into it. Like I once did, because I just don't have the energy to uh, kind of give myself to this, to this world anymore. It's, it, it was, it took a lot, it took a lot out of me. I mean, but, but it, it paved the way for a really great mindset because I'm really, really good at accepting rejection and bouncing back. And I have right. very, very, I have very, very tempered expectations or very low expectations all the time. Mm-hmm. So until, until a check is in my bank account, I do not get excited about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you might call that jaded, but I, you know, I, I like to think of it as just a, it's really good for other careers. Like it paid, it helped me in production. It's helping me now I'm in real estate and you never get excited about anything until you never celebrate prematurely. Basically you always just move on to the next thing. You know, you want to ride the momentum. It's all about the energy, but you always move on, move on, move on. And that's something I learned when I was younger too, to always move on. Don't, don't get hung up on this, fifth callback you had and it was between you and this other person you were meeting with the director everything looked great everything you felt great it's over it's in the past if they call you they call you if not just keep going it's actually a very very healthy way to look at it and you know every agent under the sun will tell you the same thing if you film something and it hits the cutting room floor did you get the check in your bank account right you're golden exactly yeah. And another thing I learned, speaking of that, which is kind of a sad story, but a good, good life lesson is that I, I had booked probably one of my biggest breaks ever as Tom Cruise doing the hundredth episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Charlie day directed me. It was a dream come true. And, uh, Wendy O'Brien was the casting director, of course, and she loves me and they all love me. Uh, the crew was taking photos and videos while they were shooting me. It was just, it could not have been a better experience. And I was in this great bit. I have the footage of it. And what happened was three days prior to it airing, I got confirmation that I was in it and I, and I was a guest star and I was going to be front credits and everything. And I told everybody, okay. And I'd been in the business at this point, 20 years. And I still 
was like, okay, final confirmation from the producers. That's all I need. I'm going to tell everybody, every soul I know on social media. And then to make matters work, to add insult to injury, my mother, who's on the East Coast, who's watching It's Always Sunny earlier than everyone else, calls me up to tell me that I, she could not see me. She, I wasn't in it. She blinked and she missed me, whatever. I just was, I wasn't in the episode. I was distraught. I called up my manager. I called, you know, my manager reached out to Wendy O'Brien and they basically at the 11th hour had some legal issue with Cruz's camp or something. And they replaced me last minute with Josh Groban as a, as the cameo. And it was terrible. I mean, it just the, I just felt so bad and I knew better not to tell everyone prior to it coming out. I should have just let it come out and that, that be it. But, you know, I was excited. I wanted people to know about it. It was a big break for me. And, you know, and then um, now to, I have the footage and I, I have 10, I think eight years later, it's been, or 10 years later, I've shared it because I think it's been enough time, almost like statute of limitations a little bit. And I, and people love it, but again, you know, I was cut out of the actual episode. That hurts. Yeah. Which happens. It hurt a lot. Obviously, I'm over it now, but that week was really hard for me. Very hard for me. Right. Especially yeah. since you made the big announcement and then you felt, I have to yeah. assume, embarrassed because then you weren't in it. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Was he lying? Was he trying to, you know, Right. Totally. Exactly. Better than he, you know, all of that stuff. And, and yeah. then, and then I had to over, then I had to over explain myself in a, in a right. social media follow-up post, you know? Right. Which I'm impressed that enough. you got over the hurt in a week though. I have to tell you that to me is impressive. It takes me yes. sometimes, especially in my younger days, months, yeah. months to get over the disappointment. Well, I, you know, I realized that these things, these things do happen. Okay. And it, and it wasn't, it wasn't the first time I've had severe disappointment in this business, but it, it just really got me because I knew how great the footage was. I knew how much I was appreciated by the director and the crew and everybody. And, and again, I had confirmation. So I, I just felt uh, like this was as good a time as any to let people know, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just another lesson I learned is just be, you know, don't tell anybody yet until it, until it comes out. And it's a lesson that um, you don't have any control in this business. You can go as no. far as you did in this story, get the part, yeah. have it filmed, get the confirmation, and something can still happen. Exactly. It stinks. It's awful. Yeah. And it's so certainly not glamorous. <laughs> no. I mean, is there is there any glamour left in Hollywood these days? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't no, think so. No. I mean, red red look, red carpets are gone. Okay, for the most part. I mean, they I guess they bring them back and shoot them in a very COVID safe environment, but the glamour of the red carpet, all of that glitz and glamour, is really just gone these days. What's what's drawing people into Hollywood these days? And if it's not that, you know, I guess it. I guess it's about the craft. I guess it weeds out those. The people who are just in it for the wrong reasons, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, a lot of those people are on YouTube now. That's true. That's very true. And TikTok, yeah. Yeah, and yep. TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how TikTok is influencing the movie business and the television uh -huh. business as well. Something yeah. that, you know, those of us who are a little bit older would never have seen coming. Yeah, I mean, well, yes, you're right. I mean, in terms of 
technology and the platforms changing things. We all knew that eyeballs matter. We all know that engagement matters. It's just these these catchphrases and words when mixed with this the technological revolution and and different platforms that have exploded. It's it's new territory, but it's also exhausting. Like I've done it all. I've been on all these platforms. I did TikTok religiously for every day for nine months to a year during COVID. And I had some success on it, you know, no monetary success. I mean, it might've translated to gigs that were booked, but nothing on TikTok, you know. Uh, same thing with Instagram and YouTube. I had some viral success, but it's never been a payday for me. It's always been an incredibly exhausting, exhaustive effort. And I'm not taking away from people who have successfully maneuvered it. There are people who are excellent at doing it. I just don't have the energy. I really don't. I, I, I prefer to be just booked directly or booked through, you know, a, a, a middle, a middleman or middle, you know, a, a, a company like yourself um, and just do the job in the traditional sense. Cause that's how it, it's always been for me. So I'm more of a traditionalist, but I also have had one foot in one world, one foot in the other world, you know, since the advent of, of all these platforms. Um, I, I've, I've um, timed things out really well, only a few times. Mostly I've been late to the game but um, with Funnier Die, when Funnier Die hit the scene, um, I and YouTube as well, it's just that I didn't stick with YouTube enough, like in terms of delivering regular content. Mm -hmm. But I was early on the scene in YouTube and early on the scene in Funnier Die. And that did benefit me tremendously because I was kind of first one out of the gate. I mean, there, there have been other Tom Cruise impersonators that preceded me. Um, I'm just forgetting his name right now, but this British guy is a lot taller than Tom Cruise, but he has a really good look and he was doing work for quite a number of years, but, but I was the one who embraced the, the internet and, and video in a big way. Uh, and it, it was sort of by accident. Like I didn't expect, I really just did it for fun. I didn't think it would turn into anything, um, career-wise or, or financially lucrative, but um, little by little, it, my videos started spreading around. And I think the funnier die stuff that I did a trilogy called Tom Cruise is a cock block is what really blew up. And that's what, that's what put me on the map because agencies all over Hollywood and New York started spreading around my videos. Everyone would, I would, I would get, you know, a lot of people reaching out to me and that that's really what kickstarted things in a big way. Um, but every other platform since then, I've been really late to the game and skeptical or lack of energy. And, you know, and then I finally jump on and all the people who are, you know, are, who have got on very early are already super successful, right. just like, in, just like investing in stocks or, very or crypto, same cream thing. Yeah. Same thing. You just gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be on these things. You, you gotta take a good point about yeah. the energy and the time commitment. Yeah. I mean, having a 16 year old, I uh, watch a lot of YouTube with her, right? Yeah. And so I've seen people who have become very, like an Elijah Koshi, who's who've become very, very successful all because yeah. of her YouTube channel. And now she's not even really on YouTube that much. Now she's hosting and doing all sure. of these things. But when you start looking to what they do every single day and the yeah. hours and hours and hours oh, yeah. that they work, everybody thinks, oh, what, they're a YouTube sensation. They did, you know, what, they spend well, a half an hour. No, these people and, are spending and, hours. And she, she's an exceptional yeah. example, though. Like, there, there are many other people who, you know, you could argue haven't really paid their dues. And I guess, you know, millennials or Gen Z feel like they don't need to do that. And there's a little bit of a sense of entitlement. But people like, Eli what is it, her name? Elijah, Elijah? Ko Elijah Koshi. 
Yeah, she she's one of the select few that that really have worked their butts off mm-hmm. on these channels in a in a short amount of time, and like maybe let's say a few years. But so much energy has been devoted to, and they're very talented too. She's a great dancer. She's extremely yeah. charismatic. Um, and and you know she's done videos with Will Smith that have mm-hmm. that blown her up, and with the right the right collaborations. But um, but they have paid their dues in some ways, just not mm-hmm. in the traditional sense that we right. we might we might know of it as. But, um, but yeah, there, there, there's, if you go, if you, if you, uh, sift through all of the nonsense on these channels, there are some very talented people there. And these are terrific platforms for showcasing talent. Of course, there's no excuse anymore. If you're talented and have a platform or have the ability to the technology to put yourself out there, then there really is no excuse for you anymore at all. And it's necessary really yeah. in today's world. For sure. Yeah. You, know, you have to be your be- your own best advocate or yeah. you're you're likely not going to be seen or the road is going to be much longer and harder. Absolutely. You, Absolutely. Which is, which is what separates those who make it and those who don't. You know, it used to right. be perseverance and tenacity and now it's just work that channel. And uh, and I and I've uh yes, and I I absolutely from speaking for myself, I could have worked a lot harder in my career or a lot more focused on a particular platform or being, and I've stuck to certain things. Like I, I did give YouTube a go of trying to release something every Thursday when I was with this company, um, studio 71, um, and maker studios I was with as well. Like I've been with a different, a couple different MCNs over my career. And I, I did try to stick to that regular programming thing. Um, but but eventually, eventually I got tired and, and, and just moved on. And, and the thing is how I've always been, I've, I've had some really great success and I've done well financially. However, I could do even better had I put more energy into it, but I'm also just not terribly ambitious. I don't need to make loads of money. I mean, yes, now I have a family, so I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in, you know, creating a sustainable life for myself, but I've never been, I guess, greedy is not the right word, but I've always been kind of happy with less. I don't really need much to be happy. So yes, I could put in that extra time and energy to meet these goals and hit these, these landmark, you know, these, these, uh, um, these, these goalposts, but I just, I just don't, I, I like my, my, my uh, free time, my leisure a lot as well. And my time with my son and whatever else it is. I just, I can't, I don't want it to drive me crazy. I don't want it to be so hyper obsessive, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to be balanced without it. None of it. You got, it. you got to find the balance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I've carefully treaded along this and navigated this career path to ensure that I have that leisure, that space, that peace, that, you know, and the time to just socialize and be with my friends and family and all that. That's, that's of the utmost importance. So when did uh, you determine that um, impersonating Tom Cruise was A, something you can do and B, something that people would pay you for? Yeah. So um, something I could do, I guess that, that goes way back to like, 1997 when I started at Boston University freshman year and my uh, my good friend uh, we were freshmen uh, Alex Merkin uh, we were staying at the Howard Johnson's hotel which is where they put 
delinquent students who were delinquent with their paperwork into this housing, which was also a hotel, as you know. So mm-hmm. a half of it was for, for incoming freshmen, half of it was for hotel guests. There was a concierge, there were, you know, you could, we could roll a keg up there if we wanted to. We had maid service, we had, it was not your typical college experience, but this was the, but so, so it was a wonderful, it ended up turning out to be amazing and really fun for the reasons I mentioned, the rolling the keg up the you know, elevator and no security and, and um, we get free cable and everything and a balcony. It was just, it was really luxurious. Uh, however, it wasn't the most social. It wasn't typical. It wasn't a typical dorm atmosphere. So we had to go out of our way to meet, meet other young people. And, um, you know, we, my friend, Alex and I had a lot of energy. He, he does a Jean-Claude Van Damme impersonation again, just for fun. There's no, there's no career we're thinking of at that time. And he said to me, you know, you happen to sound like Tom Cruise. You have his mannerisms, you have his energy, his charisma. What if you learned some lines from Jerry Maguire, which just came out? And we could do like a little tag team, like routine together, like a, uh, um, not Siskel and Eber, who were the guys that, that uh, Lo- not Laurel and Hardy, although they're great too, but. Abbott and Costello? You know, Abbott and Costello, thank you very much. So Abbott and Costello routine. Um, and we prepared something really funny. Jean-Claude has some very funny lines and it's a total mashup of two worlds colliding, but it actually worked. And we knocked on random dorm rooms and met met people that way, ma- mainly young women who we were interested in, and uh, <laughs> and it worked. It worked a lot of the times. It was a great icebreaker, and that's kind of how it started. And, and people were like, "That's really great." And they, you know, they liked both of our impersonations, but mine kind of caught on. And uh, people at, at parties all during freshman year and sophomore year, everyone would ask me to do my impression and and call me Tom. No one even knew my real name at that time. But I, so I knew, I knew that there was something there. And then, and then I would throw on my, my wig and my, I didn't have a wig that I threw on my glasses and I transformed ever so slightly into Cruz with the glasses. Cause I'm not a straight lookalike. And then years later, when YouTube came about like, like 2004, that's when I put out a video of me without glasses, without a wig, just doing an acting impersonation, just really acting. And I did a montage of Cruz's finest performances um, it was right when Tom and Katie had just gotten married. He did the couch jumping incident. So he was like really in the, in the news and in the, in the zeitgeist. And, and that one video just went, went viral before viral was a thing and got the attention of just really people in my world, in my sphere, like uh, this guy, Ross Kahn, who was an actor and living out in Los Angeles. I was in Queens at the time. And he came up with the idea. He said, look, let's, let's do something on YouTube or, or Funny or Die, which just launched. And he had the idea for Tom Cruise as a cock block. And that's what, that's what really put me on the map in terms of doing sketch comedy work with this impersonation and realizing it could be a thing. And then I was working with celebrated directors. This guy, Richie Keen, directed the Tom Cruise as a cock block series. And he's a big director in Hollywood now. Um, but this was like how he, how he got, got his start. So it was in this like little haphazard sort of way, but it really just caught the attention of people in Hollywood. And then Disney came knocking, Maker Studios. And I just started being doing collaborations with different other YouTubers that were coming up, like Lisa Nova and Kasim G and um, Jane Lynch. Did, I did a video with at that time early on. And I just kind of got started being passed around, you know, Hollywood and 
looking for the right collaborations that made sense um, and that were creatively uh, satisfying to me, you know, the, whether the script was right or the, you know, I, did, I, I didn't want it to get stale ever, you know, because I, I definitely have fallen into that a few times in my career where, you know, it's like I'm dialing it in, but um, I've always tried to collaborate or, or work with people meaningfully where we figure out new and exciting ways to explore the mythos or the universe of, of Cruise. And I got to say, yeah. that's likely one of the reasons why you're so good at it and so able to take him wherever you go and uh, engage people because of all of the work you did around being Tom Cruise. Yeah. I, I've, so, I've always thought of it as I, I, I represent a, a window into his world that otherwise people don't have access to. Mm -hmm. um, he's a particularly private individual. He's only really had a few, you know, outbreak, uh, not outbreaks. Um, you can say few, outbreaks. Well, sure. <laughs> Out, outbreaks may be the wrong word, but it might be appropriate here. But he's, he's really only unleashed his personality, his true personality a few times. Um, and uh, that, was, that was when, of course, you know, with the Matt Lauer interview and, and the Oprah bit, and that was when he fired his publicist and hired his sister. And his sister said, just be yourself, Tom, just be yourself. And that might have been a mistake just because he, you know, you know, Scientology had a real hold on him and, you know, his mindset. And, but, um, but yeah, I've also, on that note, I, I, I try not to, and I've always been careful not to uh, really go into that, dip my toes into that, into that terrain. Um, I've always been, I've always been respectful of that, but, you know, I've done some things that poke fun around it, but I, I've been very careful not to tread into that territory. That's very smart. Yeah. When did you realize that, oh goodness, I can do these gigs on the side and yeah. make decent money. When did that come about? And, and I'm talking about specifically what you do. Sure. For us. Right. Well, um, so obviously the, the, the Tom Cruise is a cockbuck video is a sketch comedy work. Uh, you know, I might've been paid some money for certain things and with, when Disney hired me, you know, some new media contracts, which, which that was my first experience with a new media contract and a fortune 500 company hiring me for it. It was truly insulting. So I, after I, you know, got 5 million views for them and it was really just me on camera and nothing else. Like there, it was just, my talents and i got paid a measly you know 250 for the day and we did three or four sketches um i ended up i know i ended up saying this is absurd uh and they wanted me to hire me again of course because i did such did such great numbers for them um i made them pay me you know 1250 or something i said this is the only way i'm going to come back and do it um but still you know they you know that's still too low for what i was giving them because Every subsequent video after that did also really great numbers for them. And this is, this is before, again, before viral was really a thing. Um, but that being said, and I guess maybe the ad revenue wasn't there quite yet. So maybe it was, it was a different time, but, um, but I started really, really making, I started making real money when, I mean, there, there was, there was a major incident, but I, you know, I, I guess when I started doing corporate video or corporate gigs, I would say live appearances for either Fortune 500 companies or small businesses that could, you know, support the budget. But that's when I realized, oh, this is this is a, a really great platform because 
There is no better celebrity. I'm telling you right now. I mean, Trump is entertaining. Obama could be entertaining. But in, you know, Michael Jackson, there's certain people, he's a little out of favor, but not, in, I guess in Vegas, he still does, does good things. But um, there's no better celebrity for energy, for charisma, for amping up an audience for hype than Cruz. Nothing better, I'm telling you. So, you know, unless he gets caught up in some massive controversy, I've got a, still got a great career ahead of me um, doing these, these events, which really do enhance the mood and the energy level in the room for pharmaceutical conferences, tech conferences, you name it, mm -hmm. uh, which can be pretty dry when they're just looking at slideshow after slideshow after slideshow with uh, C CTO, CEOs, and COOs. Right. Um, I add a lot of flavor and a lot of excitement to these things. And, and, and after a few of these successful um, you know, launches and, and annual conferences, I realized, and testimonials that I got back from the client, I realized this is a real thing that I can, I can build from. Um, I've even thought about doing um, kind of a, a, a TED talk of sorts. My friend, Reggie Brown, who's an Obama impersonator, does this as well, but really creating something that I could tailor to each corporation um, that is based, you basically hire me doing a, my own prepared, my own prepared uh, bit that's all about the attributes that Tom Cruise, possess, Tom Cruise possesses that salespeople would benefit from. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I've, or, I've already started writing this actually, because I think that this could be an enormously lucrative, but also helpful pursuit for many people in these corporations. Um, so that's something I'm passionate about helping people. And I've realized that this, not only do I make people happy doing what I do through my cameos and platforms like that, which also has been a lucrative field for me, um, you know, doing special shout out videos for friends and families or loved ones or, or, uh, roasting people, you know, as crews, um, I do improve people's lives. I've had countless people approach me or, or respond or provide feedback saying how much I've improved their day or, or their, or their year, you know, and, and, and my videos really genuinely make people happy. And that's what keeps me going. The money's great, of course, but it's not about that anymore. If it was just about that, I would probably, you know, I'd probably have to do something else that, that filled that void in me that, you know, the, it would be a spiritually vo spiritual void. And I, I need that. I need to have that reason to be, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I need to find that, that, um, purpose. That corner of the sky, as Pippin would say, that purpose, of course. Yeah, yeah. Without, without purpose, you know, what do you have in life? You know, purpose is everything. In fact, there's a great book called Blue Zones. Have you heard of Blue Zones? You know what that is? No. No. So Blue Zones are places in the world, geographically, where there's a large proportion, a much larger proportion or a percentage of centenarians, people who are older than 100, exist. Okay. And, and this book examines the reasons why. And one of those reasons, one of those places, I believe, is in a part of California. I forgot where, but I think it's Seventh day Adventist. Seventh day Adventist, that, that group of people. Mm -hmm. um, and well, one of, the, one of them had, I think this, it was this group in particular that dealt with purpose. And, and when you lose that purpose, it could severely, uh, take years off your life. Having that purpose into your old age is extremely important, whether, whether it's a, 
a charity or some bridge club you have, whatever it is that you're doing, having that, that you wake up every day and you have that reason to be, you know, it's very important. So I don't ever, I don't ever want to lose that, you know, no matter what happens with, with crews, you know, or eventually that'll die out for me, of course, because of my age, but hopefully I'll, I think the, the lasting legacy I want to leave is just, you know, whether it's, um, I was considering doing a one man show or writing a memoir about my zany experiences through the years, um, surreal life. Um, but doing something to really leave a lasting impression on people and helping people, uh, finding some way to connect those two. That's, that's really what I want to do. Well, you know, they, they say that it's not about the attachment to the thing, but the feeling that you elicit from your purpose. So Mm. if you are focusing on the feeling the attachment to how you get that feeling is not necessarily yeah. what's important. And so if mm. you're feeling joy and happiness and fulfilled and like you're sure. bettering the world, sure, then those things are going to come to you. You know, right. how exactly. those are fulfilled will come to you. Absolutely. So there are a few things that you said yeah. that I, I just um, makes me want to ask questions. So I'm going to just sure. remember them. Um, yeah. Well, the first one is more of a comment uh, about purpose and um, how you're so right about the necessity of it. I was listening to Dr. Laura. I do listen to her mm. from time to time. And she said something yesterday that the, that was so right on. Men, she pointed to men specifically and said, men who retire early mm. get sick usually, mm. uh, become sedentary. And mm. I mean, they yeah. actually die earlier than they sure. probably would have if they continued to have purpose in their life. And she was talking about right. men who retire. Uh, and I've seen that phenomenon myself. Mm. Somebody retires and a few years later, they look 20 years older. Yeah. And, you know, they're close to death because suddenly Absolutely. they feel like I'm not a part of the world anymore. I don't have anything to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so they're not, they're not, they're not devoting their energy to any, any new project or new, uh, you know, passion. Uh, they're, they've, they're, yeah. I mean, they feel like they're done. They've earned it all and they'll just play golf and that's it or whatever they want to do in their retirement. And, and, uh, I think they either, you're right. They either get sick or something, you know, I think there's definitely, definitely something attached there or correlated, Mm -hmm. but they might just get bored and pick up another project again, or come out of retirement either, you know, may not be, may not necessarily be work to them. It might just be a project, but, right. but, but do, but, but devoting yourself to some project, right. I think is super, super important or, or, or just a, or just a commitment to something, you know, for the social purpose yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, not that you may want to do Tom Cruise for a long time, but you mentioned right. you might age out and, my answer to that is, well, as long as Tom Cruise is in the public right. eye, sure. you have a career. So, yeah. you know, you sort of have to match that. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But there, there's, you know, the, I haven't faced much competition in my career, but over the past few years, there's been some new competition and, and that's fine. There's a, there's a lot of us to go, you know, there's a lot of us to go around. There's a lot of opportunities out there and it hasn't truly hurt me. Although, you know, it, it can be frustrating sometimes, but but I, but truly in the 20 years I've been doing this or 15, 20 years, I, I haven't experienced much competition other than the past few years. And, but I've, but I've, and I've thought about it a lot and I've, I've grappled with it, but 
there's a time in your life where you got to pass the baton. You know, I, I have a healthy outlook when it comes to it. And, and again, I, I, I personally, my impression, my, my talent is more about the performance, Tom Cruise, the voice match, Tom Cruise, cause that's what I do very well. And I've never been a lookalike. I've never just been a lookalike, right? I get hired sometimes for meet and greets and photo ops and that's fine. But um, if you, if you truly want a straight lookalike and someone who will do it for less, hire the other guy. And that's totally fine by me. I have no problem about it. I would, I personally, I much prefer to do the performance work, get on a stage and wow the crowd and, 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 and speak. I like to open my mouth. I have a lot to say as Cruz. And it's just, yeah, there's just, I just do different things, you know? And, and luckily we, we complement one another, I suppose. Well, actually, you know, from my point of view, uh, there's much more value in impersonating someone than there is in just looking like someone. Right. From an event point of view, once the photo is done with a lookalike, you're done. It's That's a true. momentary thing. That's but true. With someone who can really carry the personality like you do, the sky's the limit. You know, and right. you can engage people. So you're really, really giving people an experience. That's right. It's experiential. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And to that right. point, you know, moving yeah. into the world of keynoting. As mm. you know, yes. Key, keynote was the word I was looking for. That's exactly what I'm doing. A keynote presentation. Right. Love it. I think yeah. you're going to be very successful. Yeah. Because uh, there are a lot of keynote uh, professionals in the world. There are a yeah. lot of them. Of and course. There are a lot yeah. of big names that do it too. But here's the thing. Yeah. There are very, very few who can do it and engage through performance while they're doing mm. it. So right. it's not a boring, dry, that I've heard before. It's more engaging because there's a performance exactly that helps to sort of push it along and i think you're going to find yourself in demand and here's another thing yeah that you'll find if you continue down that road i'm encouraging you because i appreciate i appreciate your encouragement so much good because yeah. you you hit the nail on the head and I, I i think you need to move forward and that is um oh my goodness what was my what was my point I do this all the time, Evan. This Sorry, is- it's okay. I do it all the time too. It'll come to you, but basically keynote presentation. Oh, here it is. Yeah, go for it. Uh, you'll find, and I think you've you found in the past, that when the economy gets really rough or mm. when America finds itself in a moral dilemma, mm. uh, people don't buy entertainment mm. because it's either they can't afford it or it's just the right. wrong optics, right? But people still work with keynote professionals yeah. and mm. they'll still want a keynote and they'll still want to engage and inspire sure. their audiences yes yes in in a way that is entertaining so you'll you'll find yeah. that be a little bit more economy proof just a little bit yeah. more economy proof if you if you go down that route plus as you, right. as you already know recession proof yes recession proof exactly thank yeah. you and i think as yeah. you already know um you know, you can charge much. Oh yeah. 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 So I, 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 I don't want to throw out numbers, but my, I do know some people who do extremely well in this world. Now, granted they have a book, they've, you know, they've published a book as well, a companion piece, which is something that I would do as well. Um, but 
I'll get there. You know, I, I, I'll start lower and I'll, I'll eventually hopefully get to those heights, if not greater. But it's, it's certainly fueling me as a ideal career to help people to work 30 days out of the year, however many times I want to get bookings. Let's say it's a hundred times, you know, there's definitely a point where I I don't want to work more, you know, like I know some people work 300 days out of the year, but I'm not interested in that. Right. But, but if I can tailor a career for myself, I feel like this is the, this is the perfect career. Absolutely. And the Uh, world in our society is never at, not in need of inspiration. That's what I'm saying. Inspiration. So you're always going to be this entertaining source of inspiration you know we need it now more than ever and i i feel that it will continue to be a need that is ever yeah and and essentially as i as i express the idea is that what i've learned over the last 20 years impersonating tom cruise all the attributes that i've kind of pulled from him and i've lived like a double life being this neurotic jew from new york evan ferrante in this this tyler durden kind of fight club persona of cruise my confident kind of you know, uh, Jekyll and Hyde performance, I, I've picked up so much from him in terms of eye contact and, and remembering people's names and, and just treating someone like they're a VIP, the most important person in the room. And, and just a lot of salesmanship that Cruz possesses naturally. And he's truly an anomaly, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I could bestow that same wisdom to a sales force. And that's the idea behind it. And uh, it's also, there's no age limit to the career, right? Right, right. As long as you can walk and talk and you right. have a point. Right? Exactly. You can look, you know? Exactly, yeah. Uh, so uh, you say you, you've learned a lot from Cruz. Uh, yeah. It, but yet he isn't a very well-known guy. You know, he likes to stay private. And so we know sure. very little about it. Do you think it helps you? The fact that mm. he's not really open about his personal life and he you know he there's a very uh there's a definitely he's definitely behind a, a shield yeah behind a, a drape if you will do you find that helps mm. you um yes because again i've i've made a good portion of my career is built around this this mystique of cruise this this world that i've built and expanded like transmedia storytelling out of this little that we know about cruise and i've expanded upon it so really anything goes uh, some of my some of my favorite videos have been day in the life of Cruise, like what you know, like Tom, like celebrities are just like us, like the Us Weekly thing, and just showcasing Cruise or me, my my not Tom Cruise persona, out just out about you know going to the grocery store, picking up fish at the fish market, or going to get a cup of coffee or whatever it is, and or 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 he's on he's on the I did a really funny one the other day where he's um, complaining to his he's on a, he's on a daily walk around the neighborhood and, and his neighbor doesn't pick up the, the dog's poop. And so he, he gives some crap about it. So stuff that's really relatable, very Larry David esque stuff that I've infused. And I guess that comes, that comes from my own, you know, upbringing with Seinfeld and Larry David, just my Jewish humor, um, self-deprecating humor, whatever. So I've kind of infused some of that into Cruz, which is funny in itself because Cruz is not really like that, but but I, I, I guess the, the, the stuff that I get asked to do most often, um, you know, other than Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, like Top Gun or very popular risky business, um, is, uh, is going from his, his manic nature, going from laughter to serious to, to couch jumping, to fist pumping, to, 
to really intense, intense stares and, and, and deliveries and, 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 um, you know, enunciating certain words, you know, and, uh, you know, Dorothy boy, thank you. Or I miss my wife, you know, or jumping in the water, my jumping in my nightmare, the water's warm, you know, just really, um, focusing on, on, uh, on just the deliver the delivery and the pregnant pauses and all that. And people really love that about Cruz and every, every actor has that Jeff Goldblum has that and Christopher Walken has that. And William Shatner, Mar- Mar- Marlon Brando, Shatner, they all have their, their ways of, of their, of speech and delivery and intonation. And it's, it's kind of fascinating, but that's what makes them. So that that's what has given them staying power. Nicholas Cage. Uh, I have so many, I have so many peers that, it, that do tremendous impressions that I really look up to. Um, like uh, Jonathan Kite's one of my good friends. He does hundreds of impressions. Ross Marcond uh, from Walking Dead, but he's an impersonator. Uh, Reggie Brown, Jeff Richards, on an SNL alumni. So I've really been fortunate to have worked and collaborated with all these all these incredible talented uh, people. Um, and then with the advent of deep fake technology, which I'm sure you've heard about, mm-hmm. um, that's that's been a, an interesting journey for me too because I've had several videos again in the sketch comedy realm do very well because there's a a part of it people want to see what they believe or they you know they believe what they want to see is it believe what they want to see see what they believe they believe what they want to see um so that's an interesting realm i've i've worked in although i don't really approve of it now because it's gotten the technology's gotten so good that anyone my mother could wear a tom cruise mask and and fool people. It's, it's frightening um, how advanced the technology has gotten, how it will, it will, will mislead and deceive people in the future, um, especially in the political realm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that I'm very cautious when I dabble in it because I make sure to have a disclaimer. I make sure to tell people up front, this is sketch comedy, this is deep fake, none of this is real. Some people will still think it's real, but right. they're really gullible. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, all, this, all the sketches I do with Deepfake are ludicrous scenarios. Uh, I did one that went viral. This is crazy for the wrong reasons. It went viral. It was at the beginning of COVID. And I thought, this is when we, none of us were taking it that seriously, but there was a big debate around it, you know, whether to wear the mask or not and in public, especially outdoors. And it was Tom Cruise on a walk and meets someone wearing a mask. And the masked man says, Tom Cruise is not wearing a mask. And the masked man uh, is a very upset at Cruise for not wearing a mask and asks him why. And Cruise goes on this ridiculous tangent about why he's not wearing a mask, how he transcends COVID, how it doesn't affect him, and how he's invincible, you know, because of whatever, uh, steam baths, vitamin supplements, and just being Cruise, mm-hmm. um, levitating powers, whatever it is. But the point is, throngs of anti-maskers flooded YouTube and, and made my video go super viral. Um, 3.5 million views. It went from 27,000 to 3.5 million views in a week's time, all because of anti-maskers thinking that it was an anti-masker video. That Tom Cruise was making. Essentially. Essentially. Yes, that too. Cause right. I, cause I was deep. Right. I was right. deep. Right. 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 Even though it was a it was a ridiculous premise, and I and I was, you know, going off on these 
crazy tangents, but people still believed that it was either real or they got into a very serious debate about it. Um, it was crazy, you know, the world is crazy right now. But um, I, I did another video on TikTok that went viral, me, Tom Cruise in a pool at the beginning of COVID complaining about being in isolation. And he was on a, on a floaty, on an on a alligator floaty, drinking a, a, a cocktail. Right. You know, and and complaining and complaining about how rough his life is being right. in quarantine, being in quarantine, and that went viral because I deep faked that as well. But yeah, you know, I've I've ex- I try to explore all these different ways to make it interesting and and new and breathe new life into it, and that's um, and that's just what I do, you know. From some and so, and these days, I, I really try not to pump out any content unless I'm truly inspired, unless I'm working with a great collaborator. I really have to be moved. Um, I'm just done with the days of just putting it out just for putting it out sick, you know? So did you say at the beginning of this episode that you, you have heard from Tom Cruise or did I misunderstand? Well, we met, we met one time and that's kind of how I picked up and observed his um, attributes up close and personal I met him at Chateau Marmont a few years back. Um, he was having drinks with or dinner with his friends or group of friends, um, people from the office and Zero Dark Thirty, and I was uh, uh, and Jeremy Renner, and I was having drinks with a few friends of mine and dessert. And long story short, the night comes to an end. It's two in the morning. We were the only people left in the place. Um, I did try to buy him a bottle of champagne, like a four hundred dollar bottle even though I didn't have $400 in my account at the time, but I was like, this is worth it. And the waiter shot me down and said, I would be banned from the Chateau and that Tom Cruise and that he'll be fired because you don't approach Tom Cruise or you don't really approach any celebrities in the Chateau, but definitely not Tom Cruise. And there'll be serious, serious repercussions. Isn't that so, yeah. So I, I was resigned to the fact that I'd be breathing the same air as him and I wouldn't meet him that night. And that was it. And I'd go on with my day and, you know, I was, I was okay. I was like, you know, my girlfriend was like, no way you're, there's no way in hell you're leaving here tonight without meeting him. So she was, she was adamant, but what happened two in the morning, um, it's, it's last call. I'm having my final drink. Cruz had just left with Jeremy Renner and my girlfriend excused herself to go to the bathroom. I was drunk. Uh, my friend, Jimmy and I were the only people in the garden of the Chateau and he gets a phone call from Donna, my girlfriend, and he says to me, my phone was dead, by the way. And he says to me, Tom Cruise is waiting for you in the lobby. And I said, shut up, you know, because he messes with me a lot. Mm-hmm. And he said it again without smiling. He said, Tom Cruise is waiting for you in the lobby. So I get up out of my chair in the garden and I sprint to the lobby, the valet area. And he was there with Jeremy Renner getting on his motorcycle, but waiting for me because Donna had stopped him. And, you know, she's a very charming individual. And and captured his attention and he and she kept him there for me and told him who I was. He had known about me from I won this Tom Cruise impersonator award eight years prior to that on extra, Mario Lopez's extra. So he was aware of me and people in his camp know might know of what I do, like his uh Paula Wagner and I know Hoffman's a fan and people like that. But but the point is I'd never met him before. So this was the the time that it became crystallized and I, we do, he does like a slow turn and we embrace and say, it's an honor and a privilege to meet you. You complete me. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. I didn't go to sleep that night. I was so excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an awesome story. 
And I'm glad. It, 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 it was one. I try to, I told it, I told it many times, but every time I tell it, I try to try to in, insert something new, like try to trigger that memory because it really was the most incredible night. One of the most incredible nights I've ever had other than the birth of my son. First of all, it was great that he stayed and wait, waited for you. Very nice of him. Yeah. Super. Uh, yeah. And because he, 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 he has places to go even at two in the morning. I'm sure he's a tight schedule. You know, he's, yeah. he's cruise. Definitely. He's on yeah. schedule. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for you, Evan? Just more so, of the same. Well, I'm in, well, more of the same. Absolutely. I haven't thrown in the towel yet. Um, but I am in real estate right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently working at a company called The Agency. I'm a, I'm a realtor. Um, I might inject some of Cruz into some of my marketing, but I, I'm trying to keep those personas separate. Uh, but I'm still pursuing the Cruz thing. I have gigs coming up all the time. I've got my cameos. I've got other platforms like Memo and Thrills in the UK. Everyone's got a platform these days. Um, but I'm doing it for as long as I can because, again, I, it really gives people so much joy and it, it just it really fuels me and keeps me going. So until they stop calling me, I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep doing this. And, and like I said, I, I do want to leave my mark, maybe do a one-man show or work on the keynote presentation, uh, write, a, write a companion piece, a manual of, 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 to living as Cruz would. You know, what would Cruz do? Um, I thought of a potential title because... Uh, you never, you ever hear that meme? Uh, if you could be, if you could be yourself, right? Everyone knows to be yourself, right? right? But if you, but if you can be Batman, be Batman. So that's like one of like a famous meme. So mine is be yourself. But if you could be Tom Cruise, be Tom Cruise. That's kind of like my, I think that's going to be the name of my memoir, something like that. Or, um, yeah, I, that's the one that really st sticks with me. Um, but you know, uh, I've I've had a really long and fruitful existence as a cruise impersonator, and I. I would be very happy hanging it up, you know, tomorrow, but uh, let's see if I can breathe. A, let's see if I could do this for a little bit longer. You know, we'll, we'll, there's no, there's no expiration date essentially, unless, you know, something truly terrible happens and he, he, he falls out of favor with the public, you know? Right. And you've ever seen yourself. Go, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. I was going to say, even then it might just be a blip. Yeah. Uh, True. You know, True, because, because again, I represent the crews that people, you know, the nostalgic crews, the 80s right. crews, the, the risky business Top Gun, Jerry Maguire, Days of Thunder, the heyday Tom Cruise. You know, nowadays, Tom Cruise is kind of a character of himself. He's all about action, all about the stunts. And that's fun. And there's definitely demand for that. But, but people long for crews of, of yesterday. And I think, honestly, that bodes well for you, too, because his audience yeah. is really wide. You know, it's right. not just women who, you know, want to get close to him, but men who see him as an action figure, you know, it helps. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm still about 15, 20 years younger than him. So, mm -hmm. you know, granted, granted, he has great personal trainers and probably a wonderful skin and cream, doctors. but I, yeah, and, and <laughs> the best, the best doctors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that I can't afford like $300 an ounce, whatever it is, but right. I, I, I hopefully can, you know, use that to my advantage over the years. Does he look that good in person? He looked pretty good. He was, I got to say, he, yes, he looks very good. And he's, he's very fit, you know, great stature, great, great. Um, just he carries himself really well and uh, excellent smile, piercing eyes. We fell in love that night. I'm telling you, yeah, we fell in I love. There was some, there was some mutual attraction 
in a, in a, in a, in a non-sexual way, right. but it was, it was, yes. And, um, you ever see that movie time cop from years ago? Uh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm going to bring it yes. full circle. Yes. So there, there's a great scene in time cop where he says to the villain, the same matter can occupy the same space. And I, I always joke with people that like when Tom Cruise and I were together, you know, there was a chance that, that we would implode, you know, because right, it was just right. so much energy, so much right. energy and the same energy together at once. But um, yeah. So before we let you go, we know you have a busy yeah. day. Would you mind giving us just a little bit more? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Can of I, course. Can I put okay. you on the spot? Yeah. All right. So here's a little here, here's a little montage. You've got, got to stretch. Got to get up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Dorothy Boyd. Dorothy Boyd. Thank you. Okay, I miss my wife. I'm looking for my wife. Tonight, our company, our little project, had a very big night. Very big. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't the vicinity complete because I couldn't share with you or hear the sound of your voice or see you smile. You know, we live in a cynical, cynical world full of tough competitors. And you, you complete me. You, you complete me. See this coat I'm wearing? I don't need anymore. You know why? Because I'm cooked and failure. Two slices of bad pizza in the morning. I go conscious. Ray, <laughs> the fucking zoo's closed. Ray, the fucking zoo's closed. You know, sometimes you just gotta say, "What the fuck?" Make your move. <laughs> Looks like the University of Illinois. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Great. All right, Evan Ferrante. The only, the last thing I just want to say to you is I had yeah. no idea you were Jewish. I was going to peg you as an Italian. Are you an Italian? Well, Jew? I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pizza bagel. I'm an Italian Yay. Jew. You're my, from my, the bagel. My, my, my mother, my mother's Jewish. My mom's Russian, and my dad's from Italy and Sicily. And yeah, eyes on. Were you yeah, born exactly? I was born in I was born in uh, Connecticut actually, but uh, I was in Westchester my whole life. My no, whole were, you, were you born? Were you born Oh, bar mitzvah. I'm sorry. I was not bar mitzvah, but my mother was Jewish. So I'm still Jewish. You're still Jewish. But, yes, you are. But I'm, but I'm maybe not the best Jew, you know? You're just Jewish without a dowry. Because you didn't but get I've been mitzvah. Exactly. But I've been to hundreds and hundreds of bar mitzvahs. My well. ex-husband yeah. used to say this because he was Jewish. I'm Jew-ish. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's right. Evan right. Ferrante, thank you so much. Thank we hear you. your little boy it, in the background. Was, he wants yeah. his daddy. So we're going to let you go. Thank it you. Was a pl- it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you, to you both. And and uh, let's let's make some uh, let's make some money in the future. Yeah. Let's do some work Absolutely. together. Pizza bagel. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. My friend Randall Bloomberg is a pizza bagel. Only his father was Jewish and his mother is Italian. Uh, so it was, it, and he was bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah, as a matter of fact, which in the Jewish faith, mm-hmm. if the mother is Jewish, you're usually raised Jewish. That's sort of what happens. But in, in Randy's case, eh, they bended the rules a little bit and it worked out just fine. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. Hey, a so, good bar mitzvah is a good bar mitzvah. That's right. A lucrative you know? bar mitzvah is a good bar mitzvah. I, I, hey, listen, when I was a kid, I couldn't be more jealous because everyone I knew being in North Miami Beach was Jewish and they all had bar mitzvahs. Not me. No, I didn't get, I didn't get that. I didn't get the whole debutante thing. I didn't get the coming out. None of it. I, I got none of it being the Come Greek Sicilian. You got to work Nothing. in a Chinese restaurant. I Yes, I got to run into my, my, our Chinese restaurant. That's right. true. It's in the redneck town. Yes, it is. It is. It is. 
That's that's going to be the name of my book. The only Greek Sicilian to run a Chinese own a Chinese restaurant in a redneck town. That will be that's my a biography. Long title. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll shorten it with the subtitle. Maybe. We'll see. But why? I know why. Why? If I don't have to, it's intriguing. Right. I really loved uh, talking with Evan. And, I did too. Wow, he's got a lot going on, and there's a lot of talent there. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to work with him even more mm -hmm. in the coming year. And it was great to hear that uh, he is building on his repertoire because I wanted to say to him, having uh, worked with NAREP for a number of years, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, that he might find himself, uh, he has the potential of doing a gig for uh, realtors as Tom Cruise. Yeah. There's there's a whole market there. What yeah. especially if he can speak their language, it'd be very funny. That would be. So that's it for today, folks. Uh, that again was Evan Ferrante, uh, our Tom Cruise impersonator, who is also an actor, a singer. He does it all, uh, but we love him as Tom Cruise. And uh, you know that's it for us today, this Monday, this last January Monday. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to us, please, 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 if you're listening on, on Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars. And if you're listening anywhere else, keep listening and tell your friends about us, especially if they're in the event world. We'd like to hear from you, too. Please go to bolada.com and look for the podcast tab and just, well, just leave a little note for us there. And we will be sure to respond and uh, talk about it on the show. So that's it. It's time to say... Goodbye. I'm going to say goodbye, but I'm just going to add one thing. I see a musical with Tom Cruise and Sally Field. Just saying, let's make it happen. I love it. I'm in. <laughs> I am in. We have to come up with a name. And in yep. the meantime, stay engaging.